Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Wa bismillahir rahmanir rahim Hamida wa musalliya wa musallima All praises belong to Allah Jalla wa ala and may his choices salutations descend upon our master Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam A few things Today we're discussing the incident of those individuals who وعلى الثلاثة الذين خلفوا So we said the tone Individuals that would come to the Prophet when there were expeditions and they would subhanallah make their excuses. Generally, it was the munafiqeen. Sometimes, as we said, Allah Jalla allows certain things to happen. Why? Even with this haba, so that we individuals can take a lesson thereafter. Allah says, and the three individuals who were left behind, the three individuals who were left behind. The first thing is, subhanAllah, I just like to mention the individuals who have stayed behind to listen to this, may Allah bless you. The individuals who have stayed behind, may Allah bless you. Today, second thing, second thing, we have a big game today, right? The more important thing is we generally have two kits. We have the home kit and then we have the away kit. In Islam, the home kit is the a'mal, what we do. Okay, that's the home kit. And the away kit is the kafan. If our home kit is good, subhanallah, then the kafan, the away kit will be something because that's ultimately the final result. And based on the training that we do, the third thing is, who will be the recipient of the award? Who will lift the final trophy? So based, subhanallah, on the individual's practice, on the individual's actions, on the individual doing what he had to do or she had to do, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow them to pick up the accolade. And finally, <coughs> when we do pick up this accolade, it will happen in Jannah, okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about, so, so generally just before we, we go on, there's a term that is normally used on, on the media. If there's something funny, you know, they say laugh out loud, LOL. Then I thought I'll just add something else, which is LMAO, right? Now, now, it's not such a good term, but we're going to put in Islamic flavor. If anybody wants to know what the bad term is, I can't say it in the masjid, out of the courtyard, inshallah, I'll tell you. So, the, 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 the Islamic term is, and that's what will happen in Qiyamah, on the day of Qiyamah. Qala in tasharu minna. So there'll be two teams, right? And the one will be mocking the other. Two supporters, one will be mocking the other. But ultimately, a Muslim does not mock a Muslim until a non-Muslim until they enter Jannah. So when they enter Jannah, what will happen? It's almost as if they'll be saying, the females will be saying, minna. If you laugh at us today, subhanAllah, we will laugh at you one day. We will also tease you one day. Now what will happen? The female Muslims will be saying, LMAO, laughing my abaya off. Okay? And the male Muslims will be saying, LMAO, laughing my amama off. Right? So this is what will happen to the two teams. And ultimately, if there's no fair play, then we'll be the ones who'll be giving out the red cards. And it will be said to the non-Muslimin, subhanAllah, when they ask, is it possible that you give us some of the accolades that you have? And the Muslimin will say, no, it can't be possible. How can it be possible? Because you didn't do what we did. You didn't practice like we did. You didn't make a'mal like we did. And so Allah Jalla wa'ala grant us the ability to do what we are supposed to do 
and to make our game that which is Allah's aim and that which is the aim of the Muslimin. Amin, Ya Rabbil Alameen. Three individuals get left behind. Ka'ab bin Malik, Hilal bin Umayyah, and Murada bin Rabi'ah. We're saying get left behind so, so that we add a bit of a dimension to it because we don't want to speak negatively about this Haba. If we, however, have to rephrase that in the light of the hadith that Ka'ab bin Malik himself describes, he says, I stayed behind. Okay? It's a very lengthy hadith and there's many different narrations with regard to the hadith of Ka'ab bin Malik. The expedition is Tabuk. Normally, generally, what would happen was the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to, when they were going for a ghazawa, an expedition, because he said Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Al-Harbu, fighting or going out in the path of Allah is to be deceptive. So you can't let your enemy know. It's tactical. So what he would do was, he would tell the people, for example, that they're heading in a particular direction. And then from there he would change. And there was wisdom behind it because if there were people who were spies here and he said that they were going to the intended direction, what would happen was they would go there and have those individuals prepared. And remember, it wasn't foul play. It generally was the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam sometimes offensive, which was the best defense, or doing something which was to protect the deen of Islam. And history will will be a testimony to this. We don't have time to really go into that. However, in the battle of Tabuk, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, right at the outset, explains the Sahaba that we need to prepare the Muslimin. We are going on an expedition. This expedition is to Tabuk. And he asks for armor, and he asks for arms, and he asks for horses, and he asks for all of those things which are necessary. And Ka'ab bin Malik, he says, in all of this, I was busy with my, 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 my gardens, with the plantations that I had. And he makes mention and he says, Subhanallah, I had a very swift horse, okay? And I had my armor and I had all of this ready. And I thought to myself, in all of this preparation, uh, I, I'm ready, okay? So when the call comes and when we're leaving Medina al-Munawwarah, what will happen is I'll just come off the bench, right? And then we'll go, Subhanallah. There's, there's no real... A problem for me because everything is ready. I mean, all, all that needs to be done is just lock my house and then I go. But then the system of Allah is very different. So he says, slowly, preparations are taking place in Medina al Munawwara, subhanallah. And in all of the preparations, I'm busy preparing. And I'm going to tell you uh, just a few points because people might say that there was love for this dunya. So he says, I'm preparing. And he says, the amazing part is the plantations were bearing fruit that year more than they normally bore. Right? So it so, so subhanAllah, it's a test. What do you do? do? Do you wait for the first half, right? Or, or, or do you miss the first half, perhaps do what's important and necessary and then go and watch the second half and catch up the half, whatever. So he says, I thought that I'll make it. I'll, I'll, I'll join the rest of the, the expedition. And he says, in all of this, what had happened was there were people coming to the Prophet the munafiqeen, and they had given their excuses that they normally would have done. And they normally did, and they said, we can come because we're weak, etc. And the Prophet ﷺ excused them in, in terms of the terminology that we discussed. And these three individuals did not come forward to ask the Nabi ﷺ for any sort of being excused from the battle of Tabuk. And he says, the cavalry, the army had left. 
When the army had left, what had happened was he said, I thought about it and I said, okay, my animal is swift, it's fast. One day, two days, if they go, I'll catch them up. And in saying this, in being busy with his plantations, etc., he eventually gets to a point where it almost seems impossible to get to the destination. When they come to Tabuk, the Nabi of Allah وسلم, asks about Ka'ab. says, where is Ka'ab? And this is amazing in that it shows that leadership is, is about knowing who your, your, your people are. Okay? Sometimes we lead us and, and, and we just lead because it comes with a good package. We just lead because it comes with the title. We just lead because it's a wonderful salad. And so we don't even take the time out to actually thank the cleaner. We don't even take the time out to actually, to actually say good morning. How was your day? Or how is your day? Or have a good day. We don't even take the time out to say to the employees that listen, if there's anything that you require, please come to my office. It's almost the Prophet ﷺ had an open door policy. Obviously, certain times there was privacy, but generally there was an open door policy. The, the slaves would take the Prophet ﷺ, it is mentioned, they would take him by the cuff of his, of, of his, of, of his collar. They would hold him here and then يَقُودُهُ إِلَى And they would take him in the direction and they would say, SubhanAllah, we come and sort this out. Come and sort that out fast. Come speak to these people. And so the Nabi of Allah was accessible to all. So this leader, he's, he's now ﷺ, imagine he's looking at his army. It's already years into the development of the Sahaba. So they're big. They're not just the small people anymore. Yet the Prophet ﷺ notices the absence of one Sahaba. Imagine if we're having a meeting. The company's got 20, 30 individuals. How do you think we'll notice one individual missing? Do you think we'll say, hey, where's, where's that individual? More so, if the individual doesn't really have a job description which is important. It's like, oh, that's the cleaner. So, you know, we're having a general meeting. You don't ask, oh, where's the cleaner? I don't see the cleaner today. I don't see the domestic today. What's, what's happening? As long as there's two, the third one didn't come, you can like, hey, I didn't even notice. What do you mean she's not here? There's three domestics, for example, in the home. One is absent for some reason, okay? And, and you're like, oh, but you, you, oh, I didn't even know she's not here. The wife says, you didn't even notice. I mean, I had to do the breakfast dishes. Allah protect us. Anyway, so he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, where's Ka'ab? One individual says, Ashabi uh, uh, says, we think uh, that, that dunya and love for dunya has overtaken him. And the other individual says, Prophet Sallallahu also shares the sentiments and, and, and what he said, that don't speak like this about Ka'ab because he's from the Badri Sahabis. He's from those individuals who had been part and parcel of the individuals who protected the very first battle, uh, which was basically the defining moment of Islam. Okay? And what does it teach us? It, teach, it teaches us that subhanAllah, we don't know what a man has done. And maybe what he has done could be the result of him being accepted in the court of Allah later on. Right? So he has done something, he's probably doing something which is not so good now. But maybe what he has done will give him the ability to make tawbah and eventually he'll be accepted by Allah. Don't look at what a man is doing. Especially if we don't know the intention behind what he's doing right now. He could be doing something right now. It might seem, outwardly seem, what a man, how can a person do this? Okay, the, the imam, he's outside a pub. I mean, you know, really, uh, what's the problem? It either could be the wife, the musallis, the children, the affair, Allah protect us all. We just say, the Imam, outside a pub. And, and he probably could be waiting for 
his friend who went in and asked him for a lift or somebody. So, so the Imam was trying to do a good thing. The individual says, Subhanallah, you know what, maybe uh, he was looking for a lift. He said, please stop here. And when he comes out and the Imam is speaking to him, just like what the Prophet would speak to people, they would, they would be doing bad things, but it didn't mean he stopped speaking to them. So we don't judge what is on face value. Nonetheless, it is said that don't judge this individual because he was from the Badri Sahabi. Right? Uh, eventually, the Tabuk expedition is over, and he says, for some reason, I didn't manage to go there, and there's news now of the Prophet ﷺ returning, as was his Mubarak habit. When he was returned, when he would return from a journey, he would go to the masjid first, right? He would then send the message that your husband is arriving to all of the women, and he would say, send the message, message to the home, to inform, especially if you're not traveling with them, to inform them that the person who was absent from you, your husband, is now returning so you can ready yourself. Which means when the husband is not at home, then you can keep on your samira, then you can keep on your oil-stained achar clothes. When the husband is at home, you've got to be dressed smart. Okay? That is what the Prophet said. Because if it wasn't like that, then he would have said, be smart all the time. So be a bit easy, you know, leave your slippers on, the bedroom slippers, don't comb your hair, don't bath, maybe I'm not saying it's good or what. But if you feel like you just want to keep your pajamas on the whole day, that's fine. When we're coming back, sisters, please, please, sisters, the last thing a husband wants, you know, we, we want to smell, like you want to smell perfume on us, okay? We don't need odor achar or whatever the case might be, your odor ghee. We like your food, but we don't like it on you. We like it in our, in our tummies, in our bellies. Well, I grant us the understanding. So he sends a message and he comes to the home, into the masjid in Nabawi. And what happens is there's a line of people now, the munafiqeen. And, and by the way, just before that, Ka'ab bin Malik, as he's surveying the situation, he says, I really felt bad already while the expedition was taking place because when I looked around me in Medina, there were only old people and the munafiqeen. All the able-bodied men had gone out. All the able-bodied individuals were gone. And I was like the only person who was here that, that, that seemingly didn't have an excuse. He realizes this, but for some reason, again, Yusuf will mention this. When, when his son, um, when Yusuf was in the well, some, some hundred meters away, maybe a kilometer, right? His, his father couldn't sense the presence. When he was in Egypt, probably hundreds, if not thousands of kilometers away, his father says, I sense Yusuf. I sense the presence of Yusuf. Now, how is this? This is because Allah wants it to happen, right? So, subhanallah, the army returns. The Nabi of Allah is taking excuses. And when they come and give their excuse, he, he says, okay, matters between you and Allah, Allah forgive you. But, but obviously, it's just something which is uh, uh, the normal habit of the Prophet ﷺ. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ultimately the one who forgives. Ka'am bin Malik says, I'm standing in this line. And, and I'm thinking now, you know, do I go and, and, and say something which is not the truth, right? Or, or, or do I go, and, and he says I was an individual who was quite uh, brilliant with speech. And, and, and I had a, a, the mastery of, of, of uh, being able to put my, my speech across and I was very eloquent. So he said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating the two and I'm thinking, subhanAllah, if I, if, I, if I do that, the problem is when I do that, uh, you know, maybe I'll get away with it. But, but so he comes to the Prophet. Thinking about this, he comes to the Nabi of Allah and he says, The Nabi of Allah smiled and he looked at him and he asks, Yes. So Ka'ab says, Oh Nabi of Allah, 
If I have to say to you, and I'm the most eloquent of people, I'll be able to forge a story and tell you something that you'll accept. And maybe you'll say, may Allah forgive you, but it would be harmful for me because Jibreel Amin will come down with revelation. The truth on Nabi of Allah is, I have no excuse. On Nabi of Allah, the truth of it is, I have no excuse. So Nabi of Allah says, your matter is between you and Allah. Okay? Uh, Hilal bin Umayyah and Murara bin Rabi'ah, they do the same thing. And the Prophet ﷺ says, your matter is with Allah. And then revelation comes down that there must be a boycott of these three individuals. Right? There must be a social boycott. So what happens is, now, now can you imagine the Nabi of Allah, you don't know if he's going to pass away at any time. If he passes away and Allah has instructed that there must be a boycott against you, that means that there's a possibility that that boycott will continue till Qiyamah and even after Qiyamah. Right? There's an individual who comes to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he says, make dua, I want to be rich, I want to be wealthy. The Nabi of Allah says, look, not for you. He says, no, really, please. The Nabi of Allah says, no. He says, really, O oh, Nabi of Allah, I want to assist Deen. So what he does is, he makes dua, the person becomes rich. Okay? And then because of his wealth, he now moves a little bit away, a little bit away from Medina because it's becoming a bit difficult to manage. And in the process, he comes less and less and less to the Masjid in Nabawi. The Prophet ﷺ sends people to his particular buildings and they come to collect zakah. And the individual says, look, I'm not, I'm not ready at the moment. I'm busy and there's excuses. And then eventually when he comes to the Nabi of Allah ﷺ, to give his zakah, the Prophet says, No, Allah doesn't want your zakah now. Says, and I told you, Allah doesn't want your zakah. So Nabi of Allah passes away. In the era of Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he comes and he gives his zakah. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu said, How can I accept that which the Nabi of Allah didn't accept? Umar radiallahu says, In his time, the person came and he says, How can I accept that which the Nabi of Allah didn't accept? And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu didn't accept him. So what does it mean? On Qiyamah, he left to face the Prophet so, so there's a great problem here. If the Nabi of Allah passes on, there's a social boycott. Leave the other Sahaba. But there's a problem because the Nabi of Allah will leave in this dunya or will leave him in this dunya that he never spoke to him. And so this boycott carries on. Eventually the boycott, it's 40 days. That's what the boycott is. Eventually it extends to 50 days. That's the period. People are told that they don't, from amongst the conditions, they can't speak to them. They can't trade with them. Their families should abandon them, even their wives. Right? Nobody can look after them. Nobody should interact. Nobody should have anything to do with them. Hilal bin Umayyah and Murar bin Rabi'ah, Ka'ab bin Malik says they were two old people. So permission was, was sent, uh, was asked for by the Prophet that they are older, is it possible for us to just, the family just to look after their needs, like to cook for them? Which means that it was such a serious thing that the whole of Medina abandoned these individuals on the command of the Nabi of Allah. Now, on the day of Qiyamah, who will we be raised behind? Insha'Allah, the Nabi of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. In his group and in his army, in his followers would be who? Sahaba, the Tabi'een, the Tab'at Tabi'een and the Muslimin. If individuals are boycotted they somehow out of that category right and so when you're out of that category now you're thinking not only dunya you're thinking qiyamah and you're thinking now the possibility of now and so Ka'ab bin Malik speaks about this 
And he says, the biggest problem was, the two of them were older, and they didn't find it difficult because they stayed at home. He says, I found it difficult, and I was an individual who was a young man. And I'm He said, I would walk in the bazaars, right? He says, but the problem was, every time I walked out of my home, Medina started becoming smaller and smaller for me. It almost seemed as if there was no place in Medina Munawwara that was left to keep me. He says, everywhere I went, people had shunned me. Everywhere I went, there were no smiles, there were no greeting, there was nothing. He says, I would come to the Masjid al-Nabawi, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And all of this, why? Because individuals had somehow not obeyed the command of the Nabi of Allah. So he says, I would come to the masjid, I would make salam to the Nabi of Allah, but he wouldn't reply my salam. He wouldn't reply because the command of Allah is you can't. Even though it's wajib to reply. So anyway, he says, but what used to happen was when I would be making salah, when I used to glance at the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I used to see him looking at me. When he used to see this, he used to turn away. And when I wasn't looking at him, I used to find that he would also be looking, you know, I, he would be looking sometimes at me and the opposite would have happened. But then he would turn away again. In any event, when it happened and there was a meeting of the eyes, the Nabi of Allah used to turn away. But there was no speech, nothing. The last is nobody should interact with him. So no speaking, now no interaction. He says, even the masjid became small for me. To such an extent that I started performing my salah at home. But what do we understand from this? We understand that even, even if people leave us, salah can't, be, salah can't be left. Because through salah, he had the ability to make tawbah. And obviously, all along, he's making tawbah. And he's crying to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he says some 50 days later, just to get to the summary, we can look in Riyadh al-Saliheen. You'll find the entire narration. He says, one day, I was standing, I was sitting on my rooftop. And a crier came, it was special time, and a person came, and he was crying, and he was crying and calling out, okay, loudly. And he said, glad tidings to the acceptance of the tawbah of Ka'ab bin Malik. He says, when, when this individual came, I saw it as my cousin, subhanAllah. He says, I jumped off the roof in sheer ecstasy. Now, remember earlier we said, we said that he had all of these plantations, he had all of dunya, right? He had everything. He says, when I jumped off, I was so happy that I said to this individual, I gift this garments to you. The garments that I'm wearing, I gift it to you. He says, but the problem is, when I said this, I realized that that was the only garment that I owned. So he said, I've gifted it to you. Can you please lend it back to me? I've gifted it to you. Can you please lend it back to me? So the question is, was dunya the primary objective? It could never have been. Allah used them to explain to people that dunya can't be the objective. Allah used them in actual sense. Allah was telling us that don't get left behind. Always be with the people who want truth. He says, that was the only garment that I had. They never lived for this world. They lived in this world. And even the plantations that he had was and only for the deen of Allah. It's not a problem if we have nice things. It's not a problem. 
But ultimately, we must remember that we should do it all for the pleasure of Allah. Say, if you're buying a nice watch, make the intention that Allah, I want to see the time for salah. If you're buying clothes, make the intention that Allah, I want to cover my satr. It's beautiful. You look nice. But the intention is good. So you get thawab also. If you're buying food, subhanAllah, make the intention that Allah is halal. I want to make ibadah. So we're living, we're eating, we're drinking, the intention just changes and subhanallah, we become, we become like the Sahabi. And he comes into the masjid and he says, as he meets this first Sahabi, he says, I'll never forget because he embraced me in a manner that was full of love. And then he says, and he came to the Nabi of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And the Nabi of Allah, whose smile was generally, normally a small smile, but when he was very, very, very happy, he would smile so that his teeth, the sides of his teeth could be shown. Subhanallah. And he says, but that smile, the Nabi of Allah Jalla wa'ala had created me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, The land became small, and themselves became, they started losing hope in themselves. The Roman emperor sends a message to him. I've heard that your beloved has left you. Come to me, we'll give you all the treasures. He says, when that happened, I even thought to what now is Allah degrading me? And then the last resort was, in the most difficult moment, the only thing they started thinking about was, there's no refuge there's no protection, there's no hope, there's nothing except if we with Allah. And then they made tawbah to Allah. They made tawbah to Allah. Remember we said why? Allah puts us in situations because He wants us to sometimes get down there because He wants us to make tawbah because He wants us to be individuals who are clean to be that Allah who embraces us. And Allah says, the one who comes to me walking, I come to him running. And if he comes running, then subhanallah, I hold him in my arms. Until I become the ears that he hears with, and the eyes that he sees with, and the hands that he does with. And every thought of his becomes Allah. And Allah is so pleased. He's so pleased with the actions of these three individuals that he makes mention of them in the Quran. There are few Sahaba who are mentioned in the Quran in the context of, of, of an incident, okay? Very few. Ya Until the day of Qiyamah, Allah has addressed the entire mankind in the context of the actions of these three Sahaba. Till the day of Qiyamah. When we read the Quran, because of the sacrifice, and the tawbah of these three individuals, Allah makes us aware of their action every time we read their verse. And Allah says, O oh believers, fear Allah and become from those who are truthful. Was a bad thing openly and outwardly. Was a bad thing. Right? But Allah remembers them in such a way that nobody in the world can endorse you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from those who advocate truth 
And as my Ustad Malala Sulaiman used to say, if you can't advocate truth, then for the sake of Allah, please get out of the way. وصلي اللهم وسلم وبارك على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين والحمد لله رب العالمين